Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, all you regulars, and a big welcome to all you first-timers. Really glad you're here. If you've been a fan for a while and you'd like to help keep the podcast going, I'm accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. Okay, my guest today is a guitarist with a career that spans over five decades. He has embraced a number of genres, including flamenco, classical, jazz, pop, and of course, tango. He is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but also has a second home in Madrid, Spain. He has toured internationally, and if you're ever in the Minneapolis area with the aim of dancing to live music, you can hear his group, Rogue Tango, perform almost every Sunday evening at the Loring Bar and Restaurant. All right, and with me now is Scott Mateo Davies. Mateo, good to hear from you. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. It's been forever since I've talked to you last. It has been a long time, and uh, I'm really happy to reconnect with you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, Mateo, I want to start about start with you. What keeps you excited about the guitar and music in general? Well, yeah, music is... It's my life. If I look at my life, the trajectory of my life, two big things stand out. I've I've always loved travel, Mm -hmm. i.e. culture, other cultures, other countries, other people, other languages. Mm -hmm. I've always loved that. I've been, that's been a major passion of mine. And secondly, a major passion since age eight has been music. And so I've always, I've pretty much always looked for ways to combine the two. They they go together really well. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. When you first picked up a guitar, did you fall in love with it right away? I fell in love with guitar when I was four. Uh, I saw Les Paul on Les Paul and Mary Ford on TV. And, uh, yeah, I said, I went crazy. I told my mom, I have to learn (laughs) guitar right away. Mm -hmm. And she called the music store and they said, we won't teach him until he's eight. What? That was before they started. That's before they started the whole Suzuki thing. Oh. <laughs> so I had to wait four years. So I waited four years, and on Jeez. my eighth birthday, <laughs> day after yours, Joe. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> our birthdays are almost the same. Yeah. So on my on my eighth birthday, where they were blowing out, you know, blowing out the cake, and did you make a wish? You know, and I said, well, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I wish that I could start playing guitar. So the next day, I. She called and arranged my lessons. So yeah, oh, age eight. That's awesome. I was that's crazy, awesome. crazy to learn guitar, and it's always yeah. guitar, nothing else. Yeah, that must have been crazy on your seventh birthday, knowing you had to wait another year. That must have been pretty tough. <laughs> the four, the four years was agony. Yeah, I imagine. So, what was your very first guitar lesson like? Do you remember? Yeah, the first thing I learned was what they they used to call it Spanish guitar. So it'd be a mm-hmm. steel string acoustic. And you'd play with the pick, and and actually, it kind of came out of the whole 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. you know, sort of. I mean, this was much much updated, of course, but that same type of thing that a lot of a lot of your tango guitarists, if you listen like to Gardel recordings and stuff, mm-hmm. that sort of style that that they're playing, mm-hmm. that was the dominant. That was the style I was first taught, and then about age 11, 12. They wanted to switch me to classical guitar. Mm. And uh, by that time, I was super into sports. So my mom uh, talked me out of it. Okay. Because she said, you know, you're not going to want to practice the long hours. So uh, I went back to the classical guy. I had to audition for him. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. I went back to him about about uh, 13 years later, and I said, "Well, I'm I'm ready to make the commitment now." So, wow. so then I started learning classical guitar. I was about 24, 25. Okay, wow. So you've had a lot of experience in in a variety of genres. So, what was your impression of, of Argentine tango? Okay, yeah. Basically, again, I, I when you told me we were going to do this, I th- thought about it. I tried to gather my thoughts. Mm-hmm. If I divide my life in half. Okay. The first half of my life, the first half of my life, I devoted to American forms of music, mm-hmm. and I because I loved them all, starting with surf music that I mm-hmm. was loved music, and then old got into old the old blues, the old blues guys. Oh. Then I got super into folk folk music, mm-hmm. and it was only after that I got into rock, mm-hmm. and I did all that. And then the second half of my life, I, I uh, got outside the U.S. and, and, and embraced world music, um, starting with flamenco mm. in Spain. And so I moved to Spain and uh, started studying flamenco. And then uh, subsequently, I, you know, Sephardic music, which mm-hmm. is music of the Sephardic Jews, the mm-hmm. Spanish Jews. And then Middle Eastern music, Arabic music and nice. oud and rye and all the different forms of Arabic music. And then the gypsy jazz, manouche, mm-hmm. and tango, and tango, and 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 it isn't like one evolved uh, into the other. They they all exist in their own. You know, I mean, like I I still am equally committed to flamenco as I was on day mm-hmm. one, yeah. and I'm equally committed to uh, tango. I mean, it's just I I don't think one supersedes the other. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just what I've done. Yeah, that's been a big thing. I, you know, I, I was reading this quote by uh, the famous tango guitarist. Um, his name is Oscar Aleman, mm-hmm. and he he made a, he had a quote that really resonated with me, where he played many styles, and people asked him about that, and he said, "Well, I play many styles, but each style, when I'm doing it, I stay within that genre." Mm-hmm. So he he didn't mix his styles, and I'm the same way. I'm not a fusion guy. I see. You know, in other words, in other words, when I play rock, it's rock. Yeah. Which I don't I don't play anymore. But if you make me play rock, it's going to be rock. Mm-hmm. And if I play flamenco, it's flamenco. Mm-hmm. And if I play tango, it's going to be tango, not flamenco. I have this has been a process. I wasn't always this way. I used to let I used to think that flamenco was so superior that I could. Uh, just mm-hmm. kind of use that as a base for everything, but I've learned that that's not necessarily wise. Yeah, <laughs> keep the genres, keep keep them separate. Uh, keep them mm-hmm. separate. I mean, mm-hmm. learn from all. You know, let the learning come with you. Let yeah. the learning, but the actual stylistic differences, respect mm-hmm. those. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm really big. I'm really big on respecting the style and mm-hmm. tango. I think of tango as having very specific ornamentation, mm-hmm. very specific articulation. Yeah. And it has to be observed, very specific rhythmic underpinnings. And you don't want to confuse that with uh, samba, for example. Yeah. 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 So what was your first impression of tango music when you heard it? Well, <laughs> Oscar Piazzolla mm-hmm. <laughs> blew <Yeah>. me away. <laughs> <laughs> like most musicians, we heard Oscar Piazzolla and it was like, what is going on here? Mm. You fall in love with Oscar Piazzolla and then... You know, uh, I I found some uh, classical guitar arrangements of his pieces and started learning mm. some of them. And mm. it's only later on you realize that Oscar Piazzolla is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a whole huge genre that's you know, well, well, from basically 1900 exactly to the present day. And then, and the deeper you get into it, again, what I have always found that as you get into something, you get caught. Whatever it takes to catch you is fine. But then, mm-hmm. as you get into it, go back to the roots. Keep yeah. going back. Keep going back. Keep going back. Um, don't listen to what other people did to it. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to the roots and do it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you you strip away you strip away and try to get back. So I listen to like Gardell and mm-hmm. his guitar playing and his guitarists and listen to Os- uh, you know listen to Oscar Alemán uh, mm-hmm. you know and then you find you know I found current guy who I love uh, Juanjo Dominguez who p- did pass a few years ago but mm-hmm. you know he just really really caught me up stylistically and you know mm-hmm. that's how you do it. So uh, my first. Yeah, impression of Tango was of course uh, Oster Piazzolla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I was in, I was invited to play in his um, on his opera um, Maria oh. de Buenos Aires, and and I hadn't played a lot of tango before, and I looked over the score, and it was super difficult the guitar oh. part, and I just I had enough time, mm-hmm. I had about uh, five weeks to prepare for it, so. I decided to take the challenge and uh, plunged in there. And by the time that show was over, it was a two two month run. Mm. By the time that show was over, I was hooked. Nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a th- yeah. <laughs> so I'm a th- I really like what you said earlier about you know respecting the separate genres of music that you're that you're part of. Uh, so, in your opinion, what are some musical challenges that are unique to tango? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, a couple, well, a couple of the musical challenges are, uh, particularly in in this country, is uh, the dance is is really at the top of the list here in most people's minds when they think of tango. Mm-hmm. So, as a musician, you know, musicians and dancers always have a symbiotic relationship, but sometimes it's strained, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes what a musician wants to do, what he hears, where he wants to go, is very different from what a dancer here's one where, where they want to go. And so you, you, you need to really be cognizant of that. And you need, you need to be really cognizant of that. And you really need to listen to uh, the dancers input. And even if they don't express it in the musical terms that we're accustomed to, we need to respect them and um, really listen to what they're trying to say, because they're right. And of course I play I, I played for flamenco dance for mm-hmm. many years. I played for flamenco dance, and it's the same. It's the same there. You just have to really see that the dance aspect is equivalent, at least equivalent in its importance, um, yeah. like it or not. And you got to be respectful of that mm-hmm. in tango. And then two other things about tango that really jump out at me that mm-hmm. I really love, and one is the melodic content of tango. Yeah. I find that. You know, kind of coming, it's like it's coming out of Bel Canto or something, Italian opera. Mm-hmm. These like big, rich, you know, kind of like a big Malbec, right? Yeah. Big, <laughs> juicy, yeah. fruity, you know, delicious melodies. And you have to embrace those melodies, even if to our American sensibility, it seems sometimes a little schmaltzy, a little mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah. You know, we tend to, you know, well, don't go too far, you know, don't go too far out. Yeah, the Latino culture seem to have a, be a little more comfortable with just, you know, really getting, getting down with it, you know, getting yeah. even a little bit cheesy with it, but you need to do that. You need to embrace that mm-hmm. rich, 
you know, that richness uh, of melody. And mm-hmm. fine, if you want to improvise, that's great. Uh, we love to improvise, and, and the people I play with are all great improvisers. Mm-hmm. But you still have to have tons of respect for those mm-hmm. melodies. And sometimes those melodies just need to be pristine. Mm-hmm. Just nice. need to be pristine. They yeah. carry the song. I think of like Oblivion, for example, or, yeah. you know, or you look at no, Nostalgias, you mm-hmm. know, Volver, you know, Malena, you just go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, uh, Madre Selva, uh, you know, go on and on and on. These melodies are just, they carry the song. They're so rich. And the second thing is the poetry. Mm-hmm. The poetry is equally rich. Yeah. Um, I loved what uh, Pablo Aslan said in your um, podcast with mm-hmm. him, where he said, in Argentina, the people dance to the uh, words. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you go to a, you know, as a kid, you go to a rock dance and you're dancing with a, a person and, and they're playing some slow song that you know and love, say, you know, Unchained Melody or right. whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Whitney Houston, I'll Always Love You or something. People are singing the song in their head. They're yeah. listening to the music, <laughs> but they're really focused on the lyrics. Yeah. And we have to remember that in Argentina to Spanish speakers, that's what they're focused on. And it's mm-hmm. not only Argentines. I'm amazed. Mex- everybody in Mexico, people in Mexico know the words to tangos. Oh. It's pretty much the entire Spanish-speaking world. In Spain, they do. Mm-hmm. In Spain, everybody knows um, A Media Luz, for example. Oh, Everyone really? in Spain can sing that song. They know the words. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's the Spanish-speaking world that embraces this poetry because it is great poetry. It's mm-hmm. poetry on its own that can yeah. stand up. It's like, you know, uh, Yeats or something. I mean, it's really heavy. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful, beautiful poetry. Mm-hmm. So it's the marriage of the two, the rich, rich melodies mm-hmm. and the beautiful, you know, deep, uh, sad yeah. <laughs> poetry. Yeah. Those are the two things you have to be, you have to respect those things. So mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, even as a musician, you should be, um, learning the lyrics and, uh, you know, well, studying Spanish. Yeah. Learn the lyrics, try to appreciate the <laughs> lyrics and play it that way. If you're playing Nostalgia, you don't want to play some, you know, uh, improvise some solo in, you know, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with the theme of Nostalgia. Right. So you, you're, it's not about, you know, uh, running your diminished scale. It's not about that. It's not about mm-hmm. your minor six chord. It's, it's about the uh, poetry. Yeah. Long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I like how what you what you said earlier about how you gotta you know it, how this is a dance that kind of lives with dancers and how, you, how there is that relationship that has to exist. So, from your own experience, what was it like playing for dancers um, for the first time? Well, because I had a rock band called the Rogues, <laughs> Rogue Tango Rogues. Yeah. Um, that I started in my uh, early twenties. Uh, I toured with them. We toured nationally for. Uh, over a dozen years and playing for dancers. So you learn from, the, you learn from that, you know, you, yeah. you drop a beat or you use a little too much rubato on a song and mm-hmm. you look out there and 400 people have stopped dancing and they're uh-huh. looking up at the stage like, what's going on here? So you learn <laughs> that the beat, the beat is king. Okay. <laughs> the beat is king. Mm-hmm. And then in flamenco, you know, you drop the beat and <laughs> the dancer <laughs> looks at you and it's like, it's okay to play the wrong note, <laughs> but you cannot <laughs> drop a beat. That is no, no. Mm-hmm. So that was that was an aspect of tango that was relatively easy and natural for me. I, I love playing for dance. I love to look up and 
watch people dance and see the little mini, you know, mini dramas going on be- between people. The the mini, you know, the, what the, the the three minute love affair or something that goes on in a tango right. dance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, you love to watch that, and I love to, um, you know, be part of it mm-hmm. in my own little way. You know, be part of it and try to enhance it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that aspect because I really did dance music before I studied classical music Mm -hmm. so my classical playing i i I believe you always want to play in time yeah that's just my my training is to always play in time i practice in Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. you know even when i even when if i'm playing practicing scales or arpeggios i play them in rhythm Mm -hmm. i just think it's and in and more than rhythm groove in groove in spanish they call what they call soniquete Mm -hmm. and soniquete is a is a kind of a a little bit of a nebulous term, but it's really important. And I guess in English, that would be the groove. Mm-hmm. You just need even, you know, equal to the beat um, is, you know, you need to find that pocket to find that groove and you have to stay in that. The sonicete has to be there, even if you're just, you know, playing a scale. Mm-hmm. It's got to be, it's got to have a sonicete. Yeah. Yeah, so just uh, just kind of a question that popped into my head, Mateo. So you've played at a lot of malangas in the past. What are what are some of the weirdest things you've seen <laughs> at a malanga while while performing there? Oh boy, yeah, you, you do get some you do get some weird <laughs> ones. I know we were we were playing this milanga in New Jersey, someplace in New. In New Jersey, and you know, New Jersey is a state that really embraces tango. Nice. There's just a ton of tango dancers there, and mm-hmm. I don't know for some reason we've played a number of different cities and venues in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were playing in this club. There's a lot of people, and this guy came out of the crowd and kind of a big, boisterous mm-hmm. guy, and he comes up and oh, how you doing? How you doing? And each person in the band walks over to us, shakes our hand, pumps our hand. Mm-hmm. vigorously and you know this real kind of bluff sort of tony soprano-esque you know <laughs> type of type of voice greeting each of us you know the band stops the song we're thinking this this guy's the owner you know yeah <laughs> this guy's the mayor of the town i don't know <laughs> it might have been cory booker for all i knew uh, and you know he's he's up pumping our hand every one of us and and then uh he finishes and 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 we're like, yeah. So you know, are you the owner? Are you the? And he was just a guy. He was just a guy <laughs> of the audience. He just he just came up. He just came up and took over. Wow. So we all we all dropped into attention, and you know. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. I I guess that's not too weird, but um, that's pretty weird. Yeah, that's funny. You just all the characters. You meet that was the funny. Oh, you yeah, you meet the you meet the characters, the characters already. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember one really interesting. Th- thing um, when you were playing with Mandragora and you came down to Madison to play it just before you started you were you guys were setting up these string lights on the ground and I was like what, what are you doing and he said oh this is so that people don't run into us and I was like what right. happens yeah because apparently people will kind of get into what they're doing they'll bump right into the band so I thought that was a really uh, really ingenious way of uh, of saying, hey, you know, stay on this side of the line. Don't bump into, don't bump into the people who are playing. Yeah, that was yeah, kind of like glorified Christmas lights, right? We looked great. Set them up though, a little, yeah. a little <laughs> perimeter around the band, and kind of, you know, kind of made the band look cool, and and mm-hmm. told people <laughs> stay out of our space. Yeah. I was just going to say in general that the world of tango and the world of tango dance mm-hmm. attracts the 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 people that it attracts are you know. Uh, 
a lot of a lot of really you know intelligent intellectual people a lot of mm-hmm. highly accomplished people but right. highly opinionated mm-hmm. and uh you know uh, you know out there they're not shrinking violets and so uh characters yeah. just characters what they call in spanish personajes yeah <laughs> and you you just get a ton of personajes there every crowd has those it's not a colorless uh faceless mm-hmm. uh crowd the tango crowd is just full of personalities, and I love that. That's an aspect that I really enjoy mm-hmm. because I am sorry to say I'm one. I'm one myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you, was, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Tim, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit to uh, to life as a full time artist. So mm-hmm. you've been you've been at this for a very long time. What, what are some things that you were afraid of, but upon looking back, maybe you should not have been scared of? Well, when you know when you grow up, you're really not offered the idea of a career in music. I I wasn't. You know, in in school, you know, you think of, you think in terms of you know studying medicine or studying law or mm-hmm. doing this or doing that, but you. You know, uh, but I did have an uncle who was a artist, mm-hmm. and he I I was 11 years old, and he heard me play guitar at you know some Christmas party or something, and he and he said it you know did, he took me aside and said did you ever think about making music your profession? <laughs> I said no. <laughs> and he said well you should. He said you should think about it. He said it'll, I'll tell you right now it'll be a struggle. Mm-hmm. He said it'll be a lifelong struggle, but that those of us who do it. Uh, we tend to think that it's uh, worth it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good. I mean, he didn't put it in adult terms, but mm-hmm. that's essentially what he was saying. So I remembered that. But pretty much, I mean, my part time job in high school was teaching guitar. Mm-hmm. I had guitar students, and so pretty pretty much that's all I've ever done. Um, well, I've sold Oriental rugs, mm-hmm. and I sell and I sell guitars. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> So I will. I do sell stuff. <laughs> so I sell Oriental rugs and I sell guitars. But apart from that, the only thing I've ever really done is uh, play music. And so you embrace that whole. Um, you know, it, it's a world. It's yeah. a whole world of its own, uh, with its challenges. And uh, mm-hmm. actually, I'm writing a book. I've been writing a book for a year. Oh, nice. Um, it's called. Uh, I haven't told you about this, but it's called uh, Love, Magic, and the Flamenco Guitar. Okay. And um, it's I've I've got it written now, and I'm in the editing process, and uh, All right. I gotta hopefully I'll have it published pretty soon. And and that is kind of a major theme that I explore in that is uh, you know how do you how do you make a living in music? A lot of people just feel like you you can't you can't mm-hmm. make a music you can't make a living in music anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was always a struggle, and uh, you kind of have to reinvent yourself, and you, you kind of have to hustle with the uh, you know with the situation. Yeah. So I've always done it. It's all, and and you know it appeals. It appeals to me. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it it appeals to me that that sort of aspect of mm-hmm. you know of it not being defined, it not being nine to five. Yeah. It's always appealed to me. Yeah. And I, yeah. plus, I love the tour. I love the tour. I love to travel. Yeah, exactly. You can't so, do that if you're tied to a corporation. You know. So. Right. Right. I've always loved to. I love to travel. I mean, I love. Uh, I tell you, traveling with the tango band is is the most fun thing in the world. Yeah. Playing in Milonga tonight in Princeton, New Jersey, and tomorrow night in Manhattan at the Lafayette Grill, and you know, the next two nights later in Boston, it's the greatest. Yeah, yeah, and I like what you said about just working through that struggle. So maybe when you were younger, were there ever any moments when you were contemplating giving up? 
there just came one point where I, mm-hmm. I thought about it, and that's because I, I started to get uh, successful selling Oriental rugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you go out and make a sale and you pick up, you know, $1,500 in commission, and mm-hmm. it took you two hours, two hours, you know? Yeah. You think, well, this is this is as much as I'm making in two weeks, or yeah. you know, playing music, <laughs> and so I thought maybe I should go down to playing, you know, a couple weddings a month and yeah. and full time salesman. But you know, you just I don't know. I've always been a person to talk to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just kind of sat kind of sat down, and talked to myself, and I said, you know, what 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 are you what are you doing here? You you don't want to sell out. I mean, you you got to you got to stay. You got to stay true to the vision. Yeah. So I, I did, I did uh, choose that, but that, so I, I did opt to uh, just keep the rug thing on a part-time basis. I mean, yeah. make the money, but, but you know, things like that, but other, I've never really become uh, discouraged. There's, you don't need to be discouraged as a musician. You know, when you play something and, and, you know, it brings a tear to somebody or it makes them really happy or a millionaire comes to you and says, you know, wow, I'm a millionaire, but I'd change places with you in a second. Yeah. And I, I've probably been told that 20, 30 times in my life. I mean, it just really makes you see that it, it's, it's worth it. You know, it, it's, as good as, it's as good as it gets, just living your art on a, on a day-to-day, you know, 24-7 yeah. basis. It's the best. Yeah. As long as you can eat. And so long as you don't have to be out in the cold, right? <laughs> in de- December, right? In, in Minneapolis, <laughs> worth it. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, no, not good. And I, you don't want to sleep under a bridge. <laughs> really, you really don't. I mean, you you know, and that's I have so that's why I have so much uh, mm-hmm. uh, compassion for people that you know are struggling like that because as a musician, you're kind of on just a couple gigs away from that yourself. Right. Yeah. So I tell you, there are probably a lot of listeners out there who are thinking of becoming tango musicians and perhaps starting their own groups and, and getting themselves out there. Uh, what, yes. what sort of advice would you, would you give to them? You know, I hate it when people say, what a great question, but um, that is a great question. <laughs> um, okay. I, I think really of, uh, I think the ideal preparation for playing um, tango yeah. is to, uh, you, you really want to have classical chops. You, you really want to get your classical technique together as much as possible. You want a lot of technique hmm. and you want to have as much technique as you can. And you want to get your reading really good. Mm-hmm. You know, and guitarists are terrible readers. <laughs> the joke, how do you make a guitarist stop playing? Put a piece of music in front of them. <laughs> it's, really, it's, it's really true. Guitarists are terrible readers, <laughs> but you have to work on that. Yeah. So, you know, you want to be a good reader. You want to have classical chops, but that's only half of the game. The other half is you got to be, you, you got to go for the sonicete. Like I said, you got to go for the pocket, the swing, the groove. You got to have a jazz sensibility. Mm-hmm. You got to have that sensibility of swing and, you know, dance sensibility. Mm-hmm. So you need to balance those two things, classical chops uh, and classical, you know, good reading skills coupled with a more jazz sensibility, mm-hmm. I think. So it, you need where whichever side you start on, if you're a jazzer who wants to go into tango, you know, you work on your reading, yeah. you know, and, you know, brush up, get your technique really good. And, um, 
if you're a classical person, you know, use that, but lighten up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> loosen up. That's I'd say that's the way to start. That's yeah. the way to start. The other nice thing mm-hmm. I want to tell you is that on YouTube, mm-hmm. all the tangos are on YouTube, right? By the original artists. Mm-hmm. So you can pull up Malena online mm-hmm. and you can hear the original bands doing it in C minor and you can uh, play with them, play along with the band. So you, you really get the a flavor, you know, of playing with a, a band from the thirties or, you know, playing with Troilo's band or, you know, playing, you know, when I studied the opera, the PSL opera, I played with this, with this quintet. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I just put it online and, mm-hmm. you know, you play along and, you know, get your part and that really teaches you, you got to listen. You got to mm-hmm. listen. That's, that's part of the advice I didn't add. Listen. Listen. With yeah. capital letters all the time. Listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Not as a hobby, as, a, as an obsession. Yeah. Just listen, listen, listen. And you start to make distinctions and discernments. It's vital. Yeah. Another thing that kind of comes to mind, and then you probably come across this with, with musicians, and I definitely come across this with when I'm, when I'm teaching dancers, is that sometimes people are always searching for, they think like the secret sauce to getting something to sound good or to look good is, it's something that can be sort of academically distilled, but it really just comes through experience. Some of it you can study, but some of it is just you getting out there and just kind of getting a feel for it, you know? Kind of like how, let's say, yeah, like how, like, a, like grandma's recipe for making a cake. It's like, well, it's not all written down in the, in the, uh, in the uh, recipe book. Like, she just knows how much sugar to add because that's because she's just been doing it for so long. Right. Oh, big, big, big factor. Yeah. You know, experience. I mean, there's no, no substitute for experience. You know, you just, you know, try to open yourself up, put yourself in the best place you can be and, you know, you know, make the mistakes and Mm -hmm. just, you know, start, start uh, adding up your experience. And that's, that's a really, that's really what you have to do, you know, and, you know, just learn from wherever you can, you know, Mm -hmm. if you, if you get the opportunity, say you walk into a jam session and, you know, some great player is playing there and Mm -hmm. well, you know, (laughs) it's a master class right here, you know? Yeah. It's not about it's not about you trying to, you know, make a big impression on this dude, you know, it's humble yourself and see what you can pick up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh you there's just there's just uh it's all it's out there. You mm-hmm. put yourself in a position where you can uh accept that and uh benefit by it and uh you start acquiring that experience, you know, and of course the bad experiences um, tend to be more more meaningful and probably mm-hmm. have deeper impact than than the benign ones. Yeah. So you know you can kind of put little rose colored glasses on on the right. bummers. You know, like I think of you know getting fired when I first did the rock band, the early Rogues in my twenties. Oh, wow. We got we got fired. We got fired a couple times. You know where they. Mm-hmm. Pull the plug after your first or second set and just say, get this stuff out, get your stuff out of wow. here. <laughs> you wow. got, you got 15 minutes and otherwise we're, we're tossing it out into the alley and get out of here. And you know, you're crushed, mm-hmm. but once you, you know, once you have your cry and you dry your eyes and you begin to see what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. if you're honest, you see, well, you know, I guess they were right. <laughs> we didn't know what we were we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. But that's <laughs> I mean, where you learn. Yeah. That's where you learn. Mm, yeah. You know, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah. tough love. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Mateo, yes, kind of kind of building on that, what were some other experiences you had, either, I guess, positive or negative, that really shaped your journey as a musician? Oh, boy. A, a lot of times in, in the music business, you know, mm. you, opportunity, you know, uh, they say opportunity knocks, but yeah, opportunity makes its appearance. Mm. And, uh, and a lot of times it, it doesn't make its appearance when you're ready. It just mm. makes its appearance on its own time. And, you know, you you have to do the absolute best you can. I, I think it's good to keep that in mind as, as you're doing your preparation, you know, whether you're just practicing or whether you're playing gigs in little bars, wherever you're playing, wherever, wherever I'm playing a gig, I always try to imagine that it's, you know, Carnegie Hall. Um, mm -hmm. Just so you do, you know, take it for everything you can and make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, take the, like I say, you take the bad with the good people say love yourself yes but tough love yourself too right yeah <laughs> so you, you do get the experiences you know i mean mm -hmm. i i was in a band where uh people threw beer bottles at us just like in um was that blues brothers, blues brothers. where they had the chicken mesh up <laughs> wow <laughs> we had we had the situation. Luckily, they threw it at the other guitarist, not at me. But so, <laughs> I mean, I've been in I've been in clubs where uh, people started uh, shooting. Oh my god! We were we were in a club. This was years ago. We were playing "Take It Easy" by the Eagles, and uh, <laughs> somebody pulled out a gun and started shooting. And we all hit the deck, and uh, we're on the stage, lying on our backs. And the owner he was up by there, and he said, "Don't don't stop playing! Don't stop playing!" So we're lying on our backs. <laughs> playing take it easy <laughs> in this club it's just sh the shooters going around the club and uh you know i was yeah well it makes a great story later on but um you know through the years that kind of stuff does uh does happen but you also get you know opportunities that mm -hmm. can really pan out for you i think sometimes maybe it's wise if if you if opportunity appears and you make the decision that i'm really really not prepared mm -hmm. it's it's probably not not bad to uh to bail yeah you kind of have to watch when you're when you're going to you know make your prep fall yeah. you don't you don't want to completely wipe out cuz a lot of times uh the second chance doesn't come right you know, it's yeah. opportunity knocks, but you know, it's, mm. it's like, uh, boy, I'm just really cliche ridden today. You know, <laughs> lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot. You yeah. know, you kind of, <laughs> you might, you might not get that chance again, but you mm. kind of have to make that calculation. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, you want to err on the side of, uh, being bold yeah, and courageous, yeah. but, but that there, there are, you also want to, you know, be prudent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. I think that, uh, you know, what you said is when that opportunity comes, you might not feel ready, but that doesn't mean you aren't ready. Absolutely. Yeah, I had the opportunity to play with uh, Daniel Benelli mm. uh, a couple of years ago, sit on stage with him. He was sitting right right alongside me. And, you know, I was terrified. This is a guy that I heard on the Piazzolla records, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and, and you know, it, it for me, it felt like, playing with Piazzolla and uh and was I ready no of course not <clears throat> you're not prepared for that but it's just it's an opportunity of a lifetime and you know you're never the same after that so mm -hmm. that's okay you gotta you gotta go for it and it's, it's opportunity of a lifetime mm -hmm. and you know you need to uh you know seize those moments and uh make the most of them mm -hmm. absolutely 
So Mateo, how do you keep challenging yourself? You know, that's not really a problem mm-hmm. for me. Um, particularly now, like I say, with, with YouTube, I mean, I don't have a TV, but I do have a computer. Right. And, uh, you know, I just go on YouTube and now, you know, I, I can listen to, let's say I'm, I'm talking about different Argentine tango guitarists I like. Let's say Oscar Lopez Ruiz, the guy who played with Piazzolla, or uh, mm-hmm. Malvacino, or Cacho Tirao, or Juanjo Dominguez, or Oscar Alaman. I can listen to all these guys online. Mm-hmm. I can listen to these guys. I can hear what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's always inspiring, and it's mm-hmm. always uh, challenging. And no matter, how, no matter how good you think you are, you know, <laughs> don't get too hip for your own boots. Yeah. Somebody told me that when I was 17. I've always remembered it. <laughs> Don't get too hip for your own boots, Mateo. And you got to you got to remind yourself of that, you know. <laughs> you know, when people are praising you, don't listen. Yeah. When they're criticizing yeah. you, listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, there's there's so many people that are, you know, that do give their life uh for their music and for their art and mm-hmm. are creative uh uh, brilliant in individuals and, you know, just to have the opportunity to be able to hear them and, you know, you know, learn from them. It's amazing. You know, the only thing, the only limiting factor is, is yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no other limiting factor. You, you can just, well, you die. You just keep going till you die. That's, yeah. that's how I think of it. In terms of retirement, I know people work a job, then they retire and they think, well, I'm going to do this after I retire. As mm-hmm. a musician, you're kind of retired from the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when you got your band and you've got one gig this month well think of all those vacation days you've got you know yeah, yeah. you got 20 you got 29 <laughs> vacation days so you know add those up that's part of your retirement mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so your working life extends your entire life yeah. so you're always working you're always pushing you're mm-hmm. always learning and you know you get you get plenty of time off along the way to, uh, to you know, take your vacation. But so, like I say, for me, the the actual motivation and the uh, challenge aspect, it it's kind of always there. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm Good. and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I guess I would add in 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 my case, um, uh, again in Spanish, they use the word inquieto. Mm-hmm. Someone's inquieto, which kind of means unquiet. Yeah. It it just it just sort of means like you've got this you know, urge and to kind of keep pushing. And in my, in my case, I did that. I mean, by the time I was 30 years old, I thought, do I really want to be playing? I can't get no satisfaction, you know, when I'm 75, I, you know, I mean, Mick Jagger can jump around the stage and, and, and do that at his age. But you think, you know, I, I just really don't feel comfortable. That's adolescent music. And so, I mean, yeah. for me, Satisfaction is like, you know, a 17-year-old boy, you know, <laughs> driving in his bad car, right? Yeah, and so yeah. you got to – so for me, I, I just I, – like I say, I, I just keep pushing in that way. That's why, like I say, the first half of my life I devoted to all the American forms that I grew up with and that mm-hmm. were, were part of my cultural uh, milieu or whatever. And then I got to the point where those things – I still – I loved them. And I loved mm-hmm. playing them, but I felt that – Challenge wise, I I need to open my eyes. You know, well, I left the country when I was 18 and Mm -hmm. I was gone for many, for several years all over the world. And and then you really start seeing that, you know, the rich culture that is American music, they got the same rich culture that is 
Iranian music, mm, right, <laughs> and that yeah. is Iraqi music, and that is Afghan music, and that is well Indian music for sure. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go in the world, and and you see that there's no want of challenges. There's always mm-hmm. new music to embrace and uh, new places to go with yeah. it, and it just it just all enriches you uh, as a musician. And like I say, if you can carry over that knowledge without being a fusionist. Mm-hmm. Fusionista, mm-hmm. I know, and that to me is 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 one thing that I really strive. I mentioned this earlier, but I really strive not to be a fusionista. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a fusion player. I want to be. I want to be as inside. I want to be inside. I'm an inside player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. play from the inside out, not from the outside in. And that's just. And that's you know at my core. And mm-hmm. I think that's a part of it also. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's kind of funny. On, on a, as an aside, I when I was living in New York, one thing I absolutely hated were fusion restaurants. Because yeah. <laughs> every time my friends go, let's go to a fusion restaurant, I'm like, this doesn't taste like anything. You're just right. like, throwing all this stuff together. <laughs> right. <laughs> spring rolls, spring rolls with the uh, chipotle sauce. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, whatever. Yeah. It's like jazz fusion. You know. I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I don't mind that other people do it. And, and there yeah. are people that are really, really good at it and, and people that love doing it. But uh, for, for myself, what really yeah. resonates. And mm-hmm. I think again, as a musician, uh, back to your earlier question about mm-hmm. advice to musicians is kind of find, kind of examine yourself and see what really works for you. And for me, what works is inside out. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like going from the inside, you know, trying to do that and not not looking for fusion, mm-hmm. but looking for really getting at, you know, getting at the core, embracing it. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I, when I when I went to China, I went to China a couple of times on uh, tours. And mm. it, at first it was nice getting there and, you know, having a translator and mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about language for about three days. And on about the third day, I was like, man, I want to. I got to talk. <laughs> I want to yeah. talk to people. I want to order for myself. Yeah. I want to get out and meet some musicians. I want to go to some jam session. You know, mm-hmm. I got to learn Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. You know, that's mm-hmm. just, that's kind of how I feel. All right. Well, Mateo, this has been a lot of fun. So where do we find out more about you online and also your awesome group, Rogue Tango? Okay, well, um, my website is uh, scottmateo.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-E-O.com. And on that, there's, uh, on my website, there's a, a, a page specifically devoted to Rogue Tango. Nice. And then we have Rogue Tango uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. R-O-G-U-E Tango. Um, we don't have a recording out. Well, actually, we made one end of May and we're in production on that now. And so we will have that recording out. I I'm really excited about, uh, this band rogue tango. It's yeah. really, I've got a young virtuosi and, uh, you know, it's just, it's great. I'm like miles Davis or PSO soul in that way. We <laughs> try to get not, you know, just in that way, we try to get the best, you know, get, get the young, get the young virtuosi playing with us. And, uh, we try to bring a little uh, experience to it to try to keep them, try to keep them from going off the rails, but just let them play. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I got in the band and, you know, mm-hmm. don't try to curb their enthusiasm, but just try to kind of maybe shape it and direct it a little bit. Yeah. And so 
Um, I'm excited about that, Dan. We are Minneapolis-based, but we are um, in a position now where uh, all the players want to do some travel, do some touring. I was in Mandragora before this, Mandragora Mm -hmm. uh, Tango, and we did a lot of touring up and down the East Coast, and uh, Mm -hmm. I tell you, I loved it. And uh, the people we met, I mean, we probably did 10 East Coast tours, Nice. And the people I met actually going all the way east, I mean, starting with Milwaukee, the Milwaukee group, and then mm-hmm. uh, Madison, and then Chicago, and then Toledo, and all the way across into Philly, and D.C., and New York, and Boston, down through North, North Carolina, down into Florida. It's just incredible. You know, it's just incredible. And you meet, you meet this, uh, this international community of Tangueros, mm-hmm. by the way, it's all over the world. Yeah. You can go to Milongas in Beijing. No problem. I've been to Milongas in Madrid, in Cadiz, uh, mm-hmm. in Warsaw, in uh, a lot of places. And, um, it's international community. So yeah. anyway, so the band, yeah. Okay. Facebook page, <laughs> trying to ramble here. Yeah. The Facebook page, uh, the website, my book will be out. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be information about that on online. And the book is, by the way, is geared for everyone. Okay. Definitely insightful for guitarists and musicians, but um, a lot of stories and, you know, silly stuff and fun mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm trying to um, include everybody in that. Mm-hmm. I want to communicate with every, with everybody. Okay, awesome. So I'll have your website and also the Rogue Tango Facebook page have links to all of that in our show notes so people will be able to pick you up. Right, and of course the Mand- and the Mandragora videos, we have a ton of videos on uh, yes. YouTube, Mandragora uh, Tango, and a ton of videos and the musicians in that, we're, we're all still around. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and we play in various spots together and various times together and uh we don't have uh, rogue tango only we only have a couple of videos online but they're worth seeing if you can find those too okay so anyway all right check you guys out every almost every sunday at the loring pasta bar right we play every sunday um uh, in minneapolis at, at the actually now it's called loring bar and restaurant and oh, it bar is and uh, right okay. near right it's right near the university of minnesota and uh, we do one one Sunday a month. We uh, play at a at an at an at an Eagles Club, okay. um, in Minneapolis, which is in the Seward neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so we do those uh, gigs regularly. We've been there for years, and uh, a lot of dancers come to that. It's just a it's a nice milonga. It's a really nice milonga. Yeah. A nice yeah. community in Minneapolis. The tango community is a, a Minnesota tango community. They're called T S O M, T S O M. Wonderful community. Yeah. Wonderful community of people. Uh, fine dancers and you know really intelligent outspoken mm-hmm. people wonderful yeah. people so we're always there and then like i say uh we're gonna be doing more tours 2020 we're gonna definitely do some touring okay awesome all right and don't throw beer bottles at these guys it's not nice no so. <laughs> no you, if you wine is better if you're gonna throw anything <laughs> throw a wine bottle and you know wrap it so it doesn't break so i yeah. can have it and i like the reds I like the red specifically. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Mateo, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to me. It was a lot of fun, man. This is great talking to you, Joe. And uh, uh, thank you so much for having me on. I hope I put a few provocative points out there for no, your listeners. great. All right. Thanks again, Mateo. All right. Thanks, Joe. Okay. That was Scott Mateo Davies. Wow. We touched upon a lot of fun stuff from staying true to your passion tough love, 
not being in diffusion, staying humble, working hard, and always being hungry for new experiences. I also really liked what Mateo said about getting to the roots of what it is that you're passionate about, whether it's tango or music or anything else. It's good to read up on the history of your passion and to see what others have done with it. But you shouldn't put so much emphasis on emulating others. Rather, look at the way others did it than do it your own way. So thank you again, Mateo, for taking the time to talk to me, for telling us about your own creative journey, and for sharing your insights. And thanks to all your listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. 